Let us pray. Startle us, O God, with your truth. Open our hearts and our minds to your wondrous love. Speak your word to us. Silence in us any voice but your own. And be with us now as we turn our attention, our minds, and our hearts to you. In Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes to us from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 10 through chapter 62, verses 1 through 3. This passage focuses on hope for both individuals and communities, and a reminder that God refuses to let rubble have the last word. Listen now to God's word for you and for me. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn, and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. The word of the Lord.
Today's New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of John, the opening words of John's Gospel. Listen again for God's word to you and me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almost 50 years ago, the astronauts of the Apollo 17 spacecraft took a photograph of the Earth that came to be known as the Blue Marble. You probably know the picture. It has been on the image, it's been an image of the environmental movement from the beginning, reproduced countless times on posters, t-shirts, flags, and coffee mugs. The blue marble was one of the first images of Earth taken from space, and its clarity and its beauty forever changed the way we conceive of our planet and of our place in the universe. All these years later, it is still a haunting, humbling, awe-inspiring image. All qualities one could ascribe to the beginning of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and this Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Unlike the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, John does not use people or events to begin the story of the Incarnation. John does not tell of a young pregnant girl and her fiancé or paint a picture of shepherds in a field with angels singing. John does not talk of astronomers following an unusually bright star in the sky or of a manger for a bed. John's beginning is not confined by time or space. John's beginning is the beginning, the beginning of the universe, the beginning of all there is. 
And with his timeless words, John reminds us that the very first beginning and every beginning since has been and always will be about God with us. In a Christmas article solicited by the New York Times, but ultimately considered too theological to run, writer Frederick Buechner asked the question, how? How is God with us? Yes, Christmas is a celebration of Emmanuel, God with us, but how is this God with us, and what what does it all mean? According to Buechner, the claim that Christianity makes at Christmas is that at a particular time and place, God came to be with us. When Quirinius was governor of Syria in a town called Bethlehem, a child was born. The one who inhabits eternity comes to dwell in time. The one whom none can look upon and live is delivered in a stable under the soft, indifferent gaze of cattle. The Father of all mercies puts himself at our mercy. Buechner goes on, For those who believe in the transcendence and total otherness of God, this radically diminishes him. For those who do not believe in God, this is the ultimate absurdity. And for those who stand somewhere between belief and unbelief, this challenges credulity in a new way, testing humankind's whole view of what is possible and real. Year after year, the ancient tale of what happened is told raw, preposterous, and holy. And year after year, the world in some measure stops to listen. To me, this is one of the most remarkable things about Christmas. Every year, no matter what's going on, it causes the world to stop and listen. Even if we only stop after a ridiculous flurry of activity as we try to meet the cultural demands of the season, even if by the time Christmas arrives, we are too tired to do anything but be still, even if Christmas falls in a year like this one, when our normal and beloved patterns have been disturbed and disrupted, every year, it seems, by some grace, Christmas has the power to hold humanity still, even if just for a moment. This is, after all, what we sing about in so many of our carols, I think. Silent night, holy night, all is calm and all is bright. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Or let all mortal flesh keep silence. Christmas awakens in us an inclination we have to hold still, to pause, and to listen. This is what inspired the Christmas truce over a hundred years ago on a Christmas Eve on the miserable blood-soaked battlefields of World War I, when soldiers all along the front put down their weapons and reclaimed their humanity and sang and talked and traded gifts with the enemy. And this is what I believe inspires us in a time of intense political polarization and relentless pandemic fatigue to 
pause for a moment and have hope. The world slows down a bit at Christmas. For a moment, we actually look and feel like that blue marble of a planet hanging in space, appearing to all the universe like a world utterly quiet and calm and peaceful. And when we finally come to this moment and take that deep breath and listen, I mean, really listen, what do we hear? We hear the haunting, humbling, and awe-inspiring mystery that begins everything. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and lived among us. In a Christmas special of the British TV drama Call the Midwife, a young couple's about to have their first baby, but strangely, they are less concerned about the baby than they are about the father-to-be. You see, he fought for the British in Korea and came home afflicted with what we now call post-traumatic stress disorder. The father-to-be in the story suffers from terrible nightmares and flashbacks, loud, unexpected noises, never a good thing for a parent, <laughs> send him into episodes of severe anxiety, that can last for days. As his young wife goes into labor, one of the midwives, perhaps trying to distract her from her labor pains, she asked the mother-to-be about her husband's episodes. It gets him every now and then, the young wife says. Malaria can bring it on, or bad things happening. We manage. You really understand him, don't you? says the midwife. He understands me, the wife responds. We do, we do nice things together, always did ever since we met dancing, except when he went to Korea. I always think if I could have gone, if it had been me too, I could have shared the things that hurt him, and then I could share the things that hurt him now. The pain would be halved. That's what sharing does. That's what love does. Whatever else John's beginning teaches us, may it first be this. In every moment, in every circumstance, no matter what, God is with us. Sharing our pain, that it may just be a fraction easier to bear, and sharing our joy that it may be just a fraction more joyful. And despite the fact that the word was with God at the beginning of all things, this miracle of a God with us is actually a fairly subtle thing. God with us looks a lot like an unusually bright star, a pinprick of light in the night sky, or shepherds standing in a field, or wise ones making a journey, or a pregnant young woman tired and waiting or a healthy baby, sleeping the deep sleep of a newborn, tired out after his journey from womb to world. The incarnation teaches us that God is with us in all things from the mundane to the extraordinary. And it seems to experience this with us God, all we have to do is hold still 
and honor the power of space and silence. Not unlike what we do at Christmas. We live in a time of so much noise. We are always plugged in, it seems, to something. So many voices and sounds and images bombard us each and every moment of each and every day. We are drowning in words when what we need is the word, Emmanuel, to break through the din, to remind us what is most true. Well, what if, what if the quietness of Christmas, when we hold our candles and stare into its flickering flame and that shared silence following the last carol, what if that moment, like God, is available to us whenever we stand in awe of this little blue marble and the God who set it on its course? the God who was there at the beginning and in that lowly manger and on that cross that lies ahead. That God who is here with us now. I'm no prognosticator, but I, I know it's going to be a noisy year full of talking heads and pesky prophets. So I invite you to make time each day in the coming year, make some time each day for Christmas. Which is to say, make time each day to stand in awed silence, to gaze upon this amazing world and the Savior who holds it even as he is cradled in his mother's arms. Make time each day for the wonder of Christmas so you might receive the word we most need to hear. Emmanuel, God with us at the beginning of all things. Amen.